Welcome to the Golf Life Alberta podcast with your hosts, Neil Bathgate-Snethin and Darren Krause. Hey everybody, welcome to Season 1, Episode 19 of the Golf Life Alberta podcast. I am your host, Leah Bathgate-Snethin, here with my co-host, Darren Krause. Hey Darren. Hey Leah, how are things? Uh, a little bit hot. We are still down in Palm Desert. It's it, it's a it's a, a cool 39 degrees today, which is a welcome change from the like 45 with humidity of 50 plus that we've been getting. How about you? Yeah, no, no kidding. I I, I saw some of the temperatures uh, out there. That must be you must be dying because I'll tell you what. It's like in or around the 29 to 30 degree range here in the Calgary area right now, and I kind of find that a little bit unbearable. So I don't know what it must be like uh, dealing with what you're dealing with down there. We're literally melting. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it, and I laugh when I'm getting texts from Cody, oh my God, I'm so hot, I'm melting, it's 29 degrees or 30 degrees here. And I'm like, man, I would love that. That would feel so nice right now. (laughs) No kidding. So what have you been up to this week? Well, I mean, a lot of things obviously work with the new site and everything, but I do have to tell you about this round that I shot at Darcy Ranch. It was... It started off a little bit rough. It was early in the morning, shotgun start. Uh, Didn't really have much time to warm up only because I live like literally five minutes away from the course and I didn't <laughs> budget my time to get there so started off a little bit cold and so I went six six three six five three six anyways I basically shot about a 46 on the on the first nine e. but then I shot one under on the back nine and in that Champ flight. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, Well, you got to remember, though, this is my essentially my home course, so I know it pretty good. But in that one under, I had four birdies and I had, I think, two bogeys and I had two almost hole in ones. And I know, you know, a lot of people will say, well, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. But we've talked a lot about hole in ones on our show recently. And it was so interesting because the first one probably bounced a yard in front of the pin, bounced up, hit the pin, and rolled about six to eight inches away. So I had a kick in for for birdie. Then on the next one, I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with Darcy Ranch out there, but it was on hole number three. That was our finishing hole. Anyways, the hole was tucked in the back right, and it was the perfect club. Like the perfect club was pitching wedge because it was about 142 yards um, and of course, it's a little bit downhill. So a little bit, isn't up. that one a lot downhill? I was going to say that's that elevated shot, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I, I'd say it's probably about probably about 20 yards downhill. I'd say maybe 30. Yeah. Anyways, so I popped it just over the water, just over the trap, and it trickled down to the hole. And I had another kick in. It was probably about 12 inches away. So wow. Uh, two two good close hole-in-one almost um but no it was a great round i actually was swinging the club really really well the guys the two older gentlemen i was golfing in a seniors league um i was a fill-in but um i said you were old but i don't think you're that old yet (laughs) the two guys who i who we were golfing with it was me and my dad uh they just kept 
they were just like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, so it was, it was kind of a nice little ego stroke there. So I was really happy, four birdies, three in a row. I got them on hole one, two, and three. So it was, um, yeah, it was pretty exciting for me. So that's nice. that's what I would say are the highlights. Right on, well done. Now, now you're in the Palm Desert, and of course there's a story that goes along with that. Um, tell us why you're down there. Yeah, well, Tyler, when he shot that 69 at Riverbend, which was the par three course there and then the front nine, he qualified to go to, it's called the FCG Callaway World Championship. So that was taking place. It's a three-day event here from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we are recording this now on Thursday and we are (laughs) done the tournament. I have to say, as his caddy, like, I can't imagine what it was like for him. It was quite the roller coaster um, for me when we got home yesterday. Like, I was just mentally exhausted. Between the heat and the humidity that the desert doesn't usually see and um, just the grind that that was out there, it was, it was pretty taxing. Um, and, I mean, it was taxing on me, so I can only imagine what it was like on him. So we played in the boys' 9-, 10-year-old division. There was about 50 players in it. Wow. Um, four Canadians, I believe, in that division. I think we only got to meet one other one, though. Yeah, there's uh, – I mean, it's hard to tell who's the Canadian, who's not. Tyler played his uh, maple leaf chrome softballs the whole time, so he was flaunting that he was a Canadian for sure. Representing. You betcha. Round one, he kind of went in with no expectations, right? I mean, it's his first time on the world stage like this, and he just kind of went out there and and played his game. He was by far the longest hitter in his group, so he definitely had a leg up there. And, and, you know, I think you always play – well, maybe not. I know some people say they play better with better golfers. For me, I find that – I play better when I am the best person in the group that I'm playing in <laughs> just because like I'm I don't know I, I know I can kind of show off a little bit and yeah, I don't know it's weird. Way. I'm very much the same way I, I get what you're saying. So he like I said he kind of out hit his competitors on day one by a mile and so he and he opened we were on a par five he opened with a birdie on day one so <laughs> it was it was just a it was a good start it was a good day he had another tournament best uh he shot a 78 that day nice they had set the course up around the card said 5200 but they had a couple of the tee boxes actually in the fairway so um, i think it was playing closer to 5,000 yards so you know those people who are talking about tyler Moving back a tee, <laughs> just so you know, on the world stage, he actually plays less yardage than what I make him play on the AGT. It, it, the rest of the tournament was tough for him because they, like us in majors, they pair based on results from the previous day going forward. So on day two, he was playing with two better golfers and two golfers who were more consistent with his distance. He put a lot of pressure on himself and I think he was trying to force some shots and it was it was tough of course as a mom to watch him struggle on some holes there was a couple par fives that he doubled the first two days due to putting the ball in the water which I've never seen him have a mental block like that trying to get over water 
but also the grass is different right like it's Bermuda grass it's a bit fluffier even on the fairways so the club was getting under the ball more so it wasn't traveling quite as far the humidity was knocking the balls down it was just it was just kind of a whole mess so day two I mean he still didn't do bad considering um, the struggles that he did have that day he didn't have a birdie that day and still shot an 81 with I think two two water balls that day and then yesterday again um, so he moved from t11 to t10 um, from day one to day two yesterday once again played with better golfers the humidity was really 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 thick yesterday and it took us 10 holes i think to finally adjust the yardage from previous days so this is same same location and everything 20 yards that's that's how thick the air was around here. So wow. um, we finally like it was it was hard to trust to club up that much. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. to he hits his seven iron around 135 to trust yourself, especially when long is out of bounds um, to trust yourself hitting a seven iron from like 110, 115 yards and trust that that's not going to go OB, but still swing a full swing. Like it it took a while for us to really trust that that was the correct thing to do but it eventually kind of came around he did struggle mentally again yesterday four or five water balls yesterday it was again tough to watch he did those two par fives that ate him up the first two days though he did par he kind of battled back on those ones and he shot an 84 yesterday so 78 81 84 and pretty proud of him that was a what is it 23 over 27 27 over through three days I mean that's still pretty remarkable Um, and his first time on the world stage he was solo 15th place in his age division and he was the top Canadian in his age division so pretty exciting I've never seen him struggle with his mental game like that I think that's only a junior thing because I don't think he gets like that in the AGT he doesn't he likes to kind of show the adults. Well, you know, it's it's funny, right? Because he likes to show them. He likes to show off, like like we were just talking about. You know, when you're the better player in your group and people aren't necessarily expecting that to happen, you play a little bit better. So, he'll have to play some more junior events, I think, to really get that mental game down. But we've received a ton of text messages and message messages on Facebook and Twitter and email and. Man, uh, the support this kid has been getting has been pretty unreal. So thank you to everyone who reached out to him. It was pretty exciting. And we're very proud of him. So he's he's looking forward to a flight for the rest of the year on the AGT. <laughs> so, so from your perspective, what were the biggest lessons learned down there for Tyler? Well, I, I'm not him, so I can't tell you whether they were for sure learned or not. But what I hope he learned is you know we actually went out and played pga west after the round yesterday i thought he wanted some cheering up and he's never played a course that's on the pga tour before in his life so i thought that'd be pretty cool experience for him and it was 39 bucks (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) so we went out there and he started with some struggles i think he went bogey double double to start sorry bogey double bogey to start um and he finished birdie birdie and ended up shooting a 79 so it's it's obvious that he's able and he's capable of playing around just 
shot to shot and not thinking about those bad shots forever, you know, for holes and holes and holes and not thinking about the water and not thinking about all these bad things that could happen. So I really hope that a lesson learned is that he can play his tournament rounds more like he plays his recreational rounds, which is just shot to shot and, and know that you can make a birdie and recover from a bad hole or, you know, know that you can par out and still shoot a really good score. So that's that for me, I think that's the biggest lesson is just that mental block of getting stuck on bad shot after bad shot, compounding those mistakes and ending up with a higher score than anticipated. But still with 84 being his worst score, like that's not bad at all. No, it isn't. And I'm sure, you know, playing in those, I mean, I've, I've played uh, a number of desert and I, I guess warm weather courses where they do have the Bermuda grass. I've played in San Diego where the humidity is like none other. Those, those are kind of the intangible things that you learn when you play on courses like that, that I think, you know, with Tyler, learning those things at such an early age of what it's like to play out of the Bermuda fairways, the Bermuda rough, you know, and and playing and committing to the shots, even when the humidity is up higher and you know you got to take a little bit more club. I think all of those are going to probably be ingrained in his mind moving forward for when he enters a tournament whether it's in Vancouver or San Diego or or back in the Palm Desert or or Arizona so I mean all of those things I'm sure will be logged in his memory to be used at a later date for sure and I think he once he was done his round he was fine so he he's not as hard on himself after but during the round he's super hard on himself which is is tough to watch as a mom and you know I could only do so much at, at one point I just had to stop talking mm-hmm. until he threw a club then I said something <laughs> in front well, of the rules and, official too like come and, on and you, you know what it's so funny because that takes me back and I know that we've we've discussed it in the past the short game where the where the moms and dads are caddying for their kids and the, they're getting angry at them for you know smacking the club into the ground or throwing clubs and that sort of thing so I could only imagine um you were you were exercising your rights as a parent to yes. rein that sort of thing in. It was funny. So, on on the final day, we played um, with this other kid named Ty. And it doesn't take long for me to find someone who who is, I, I call them my spirit animals. Um, it's, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, Mike Stewart, who's a deep flighter, his wife, for sure, one of my spirit. And, and the thing that bonds us, and this might be, you know, something that most people don't agree with, but I have sworn in front of my child his whole life. I, I'm just a potty mouth. I can't help it. When he was young, I let him smack my hand as a punishment, but like, I, I swear. And so the second I dropped my first, I can't remember if it was an F-bomb or an S-bomb, whatever it was, because the round was so slow. We were following the leaders and actually two of them, ended up getting uh, slow play penalties, which was oh, wow. like, it was insane how slow They're it even was. They're penalizing kids. Oh yeah. Let that be a lesson to you, AGT golfers. They are penalizing kids out there for slow play. Yep. It was, it was crazy. And, and they were running. It was crazy. We weren't even playing that fast and they had to run just to get out of our way most of the time. And then they were forgetting clubs on every, like it was, it was insane. Anyways, 
the second I dropped one of those F or S bombs, me and this mom just bonded. And for the rest of the round, we were best friends and we exchanged emails and and they're from the san diego area as well actually so uh, ty's dad is actually playing in the pga championship in a few weeks he is a callaway master staffer um so yeah they're from coronado golf course i believe so oh i love that course yeah yeah so that was super super cool and it was nice to kind of have another parent to bond that well over so it was it was neat. Great stories. Great stories. Uh, looking forward to seeing uh, – well, I won't see him in the, in the A flight, Not maybe not until championship, but looking forward to seeing how he does coming back to the AGT and competing in the A flight with uh, with golfers who are who are going to be able to match him shot for shot. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not – I say he's excited. He's actually not that excited. He wants to stay in the B flight, but um, <laughs> I think he's going to really enjoy being in the A flight. Speaking of the A-Flight, we had a couple of AGT tournaments uh, last weekend. I have to say, (laughs) we went out to Coal Creek on Friday night. We were trying to play a practice round. A storm blew in. We only got nine holes in. And that camper (laughs) shook all night. The wind was crazy. Like We thought Redtail was windy. We thought Highwood was windy. Nuh-uh. They were nothing compared to what we had to put up with at Coal Creek. Like... I'm not even kidding you, at least 20K wins higher than both Redtail and wow. Highwood. It was insane. And it was kind of like the gusts that we were getting at those other two courses, but like consistent all day. At least 60, 65K wins. It was it was pretty intense. So the scores... Tough to play in. Yeah, the scores were a little bit higher than uh, we were used to for sure. But the, these guys battled through the wind, and congratulations to the flight winners. We had Champ Flight... Rennie Melu, I had to practice that one several times before. <laughs> I thought it was going to be more French than that. <laughs> um, he shot an 83. That was from the tips. 7,200 yards in that kind of wind. So, oh boy. yeah. We had a lot of low handicappers, so we had some weird flight changes as well. A flight, Matthew May uh, shot an 80, and that was from the blue tees. So, yeah, it was a better score than the champ flight, but... He had, I think, uh, it was closer to 6,600 yards, I believe. Oh, yeah. yeah. B flight was, once again, Clem Lazo. Guess who moved into the A flight? <laughs> <A-flight>. Yep, <laughs> he did on Monday. <laughs> Clem Lazo won his third B flight win of the year with an 85. His game is finally coming around, which is good to see. Mm-hmm. C flight was Mike Baselwick with a 91. And D flight, this guy went, I believe, 51.40 to shoot this score. Brand new player from Rocky Mountain House, Sean Struthers, uh, also with a 91. I wasn't at the quarry on Monday. Obviously, I was down in the desert. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who stepped out up and, and helped run that tournament in my absence. Um, sounds like it was a gorgeous, perfect day once again. I think it was like 28 degrees just enough wind to kind of keep the bugs away type of thing. In Champ Flight, we had, once again, Chris Patterson with a 74. We had a three-way playoff in the A Flight with scores, get this, 78. That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty unreal. Between, uh, well, you hear his name on the hot seat all the time, Brian Payne, (laughs) uh, Tom Gramblicka, and Terry Bader. They all went out on a playoff, so the first playoff hole was the uh, slate number one. No, yes. Slate number one, which is a really short kind of 
risk reward go for it par four type mm-hmm. of thing over water i figured painter was probably trying to drive the green because he can but he told me he went six iron 60 degree wedge was his play and he won with a birdie on the first playoff hole so congratulations painter Congratulations, Brian. And then B flight, we had James Ringette uh, with an 83. We had Ken Austin in the C flight with a 92. And Dave Shuck uh, with a 98 in the D flight. I believe that's Ken and Dave's first wins for both of them, I think. So, yeah. congratulations. Ken, you know yeah, congratulations. It's nice to see Ken. I know that um, he and I played a, a couple of rounds last year. Uh, really enjoy playing with him. It's nice to see him get that win for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this weekend, we've got the Drumheller Partner event, the two ball on uh, Saturday. So that's going to be really fun. It's supposed to be a nice 24 degrees and sunny, which will be like, <laughs> I, nice I say perfect. Yes. <laughs> and then Monday is our first premier event, the private club event at the the Derrick. So that's going to be very exciting to be there. I haven't seen that golf course before and I'm sure most people haven't. And then we've got that trip to Hawaii on the line on one of the par threes as well. Um, and then right. next weekend, the ones. that's right. Next weekend is our last major at Jasper. And then we've got Pritis the Monday or the Tuesday after the August long weekend. And our, our regular season is done. Can you believe that? <laughs> no, I can't. It's, you know what, it's probably gone by so quickly for me um, because I, I haven't played in as many events this year. I am going to be going to the championship, just events, events, events. And all of a sudden, I mean, we are we are one month away from championships, uh, essentially. So mm-hmm. pretty exciting. All right, next up, we are going to the Open Championship. A lot of people have their late nights during the Stampede in Calgary. It's the week before the Open Tournament, and uh, they have their late late nights then. I have my late nights during the Open Championship because I keep the TV on pretty much all night long. I know it drives my wife nuts. Poor Jim. But the TV, yeah, the TV is on all night long, low volume, and I'll like doze in and out. So I get some pretty miserable sleeps, but I get to catch as much golf as possible. Aside from the U.S. Open, the Open Championship is probably my second favorite of the majors. So I really enjoy watching it. Love the link style of golf. Love the, the whole, you know, just atmosphere in Britain. So looking forward to that and so that's going on right now but one of the interesting things that came out of it just before it started was they for the first time did random driver testing so they were obviously testing for the legality of some of the drivers on tour now they have tested clubs in past uh, events and past major championships but this is the first time it was random now I don't know what you think. I've got some thoughts on this, Leah, but I'll let you start it off with, you know, what, what do you think of just randomly testing players' clubs? I, I like it because I, I like the random testing in all sports because you can't prepare for it. You can't mm-hmm. know that it's on its way and then change something in your bag or whatever. I prefer random testing for everything, really, because it's more truthful, in my opinion. What about you? Well, well, before we get to my thoughts, why do you think they're doing it? Why do you think that they're that they're going to the length of random testing? Well, um, I'd say first of all, they're where the RNA is. 
not mm -hmm. the USGA or any other governing body, right? So I think the RNA is kind of the leader in, in this sport. Everyone else follows suit with what the RNA does. Uh, and there's, I mean, the role that you're getting at Carnoustie and the, I guess, non-receptiveness of the fairways and the greens and whatnot, you could very easily have a non-conforming driver or, or, I mean, I know driver is all that they were testing, but any mm -hmm. other club with some deeper grooves to make the ball maybe not roll out quite as much, right? Right. So I don't know. Um, what about you? So I guess for me, this comes down to the issue I have overall with how far people are hitting the ball these days. I mean, it's one thing I know that the guys are in much better shape. Uh, the girls are in much better shape, like especially on just in golf in general, people are in better shape and that's going to account for some of the distance. But I think a lot of it has to do with the club technology. And I'm okay with advances. It's not like I expect us to be hitting off of, you know, our, our shellacked wooden club heads forever. But I think we've gotten to the point now where it's it's a less less about technique and more about getting that perfect blend of spring off the club face and I mean you take a look at the jailbreak technology you're putting a, a pretty hard core on the on the Callaway driver not saying any of this is illegal but by the way because it's clearly not but you've got guys now that are like on average I think some of the guys are driving it around 310 320 and I mean I think that's I just think it's kind of getting out of control I mean before long we're going to be having guys hitting the ball 350, 360, and then how many how many golf courses are they going to be able to play on? Because they're just going to be able to have driver and lob wedge into all of these holes. And I know that I've spoken about it before where I'm a little bit tired of seeing guys win tournaments at minus 23, minus 24. And I think their ability to hit some of these longer shots down the fairway and then have really short irons in of course those are more accurate i mean i just think putting a stop to it and actually maybe even pulling back a bit on what is allowable by the rna or by the usga might actually be better for the game of golf yeah i mean i was just watching um after tony finau's round today they were interviewing him and he brought up that he hit a 420 yard three wood yesterday after the rollout mm -hmm. and the wind and everything. So like it's, uh, but you know, the technology, the clubs, etc. like it's not all, I don't know the, these guys are getting strong. We've got Nick Trites on our tour who, you know, like Thomas Reed and Chris Patterson were our long hitters before Nick came along. And even Chris jokes that, there needs to be tips for the champ flighters and then there needs to be Nick tees because he hits it so <laughs> damn long. Some of these, right. some guys and it, like he just, he hits over 400 yard drives somewhat consistently at least once around. And mm. he's not a long driver. He doesn't swing out of his shoes. He's just, he just hits the ball far. So like some of these guys just have really efficient swings too. And I don't know that it's right to penalize them for it, but they damn well better have the short game to make up for their distance. Right, and, and I'm not saying that we need to, to penalize them for, for being good hitters, 
but it's it's all relative so a guy let's say like me who doesn't hit the ball as consistently i would be more around the 240 to 250 range as opposed to the 260 to 270 range these guys would be more around the 300 range instead of the 350 range good consistent hitters would probably be around the 280 to 290 range i think that that makes a lot of golf courses a lot more playable and i i i don't think it gets out of control i mean when when players i think it was who was it? I think Dustin Johnson when he was uh, Dustin Johnson or Rory McIlroy a couple of years ago uh, playing at the U.S. Open. I, I actually think it was Rory McIlroy. He was able to just basically outdrive all of the trouble spots that were on. Uh, I, it may have been Marion. I can't remember, but just able to to outdrive all the trouble spots. And I think when you start to get into that, it's just like it's just like. Like, where does it end? Like, are we going to end when we can drive all of the short par fours at 360, 370 yards? Like, because then you got to start making those par threes. Yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. And it's different when you're in Scotland and you've got the fairway, the hard <laughs> fairways, right? And the, That's true. The rollout and the wind and, you know, that Lynx golf. Because mm-hmm. I think they have a 250-yard par three um, at Carnoustie yeah, here this weekend. It, yeah, it played 256 yards in the first round today, which is a good segue into they are underway in the first round. They are, and I um, feel like we're cheating a little with our picks, but whatever. It yeah, is what it is. We, we are cheating a little bit with our picks, but I will say, although it is a little bit of a cheat, um, I did have to lock in some picks. Um, I do <laughs> I do draft kings, and I do get gamble on a little bit of sports that way. It's fantasy sports. But I did have to put in my, my picks, and I probably would have gone with Leishman or Garcia. Uh, Leishman, especially at the Open Championship, he has been in there a number of times. He started off really strong today already, so... I'm not saying it just because he was up there because he's dropped back now to even I think he's tied for tied for 40th but he's been up there in the past three or four I think he's been uh, top six or better in the past three or four so so I was gonna go with uh, with Mark Leishman um, or Serge to pick up his second major win nice those are good picks I'll be honest I had a couple names in my head I kind of had my main pick and then my dark horse pick for the U.S. Open, I believe I picked these two guys, Ricky for the main pick, Finau for the dark horse, and then I also like JT, and I also like my man, Gary Woodland. Actually, Justin Thomas tweeted about Woodland's stinger shot, said it was actually consistently better than Tiger. Like He said, if you ever see Gary hit a stinger shot in person, it is a thing of magic, and I was just like, yeah. Yeah, that's Gary. My man, Gary Woodland, right? So I, I can't say that I actually made a, a specific pick. Um, I've got my favorites that I always have. And so I'll just say kind of Ricky and JT were who I was looking for for my main pick. And Finau and Woodland for my dark horse. And we'll kind of leave it at that. Finau shot four under in the first round already. Um, I believe Gary shot even. I don't know if JT is done yet. Um, no, he isn't. Uh, and Fowler shot a one under. One under. 
Yeah. And here's the interesting thing about Finau's round. And I guess this goes back to me freaking watching, like doing the all the way through the night. He actually had seven birdies on his round today and still ended wow. up only at minus four. Yeah. So he actually fell apart in the last half of the, the, the first round. So he is playing some fantastic golf. Uh, so he would probably be one of my dark horse picks to pick up his first major win. And he's been playing well in the majors all year long. And what about Neeler Knows? He posted his picks yesterday and started talking about Lee Westwood. Now, let me just say, I just want to get this out there. I know I haven't had very nice things to say about Poulter and whatnot because he kind of thought I was getting my Englishman confused, but apparently I don't like a lot of <laughs> English golfers. But in my days of when I hated Old Tiger, I talk about Old Tiger and New Tiger all the time. Like, I, I hated Old Tiger. Like... It wasn't even like I liked him sometimes. Like, I couldn't stand the guy. But there was one guy that I always hated more than Old Tiger, and that was Lee Westwood. And a lot of it goes to, I felt like he didn't take, he, he wasn't accountable for his bad shots. Every time he hit a bad shot, I swear, he looked back at the cameraman or he looked at someone in the in the stands or someone else made a noise in the middle of a swing every time he hit a bad shot. And it's like, man just accept that's part of golf that's part of being on tour you made a bad shot stop mm -hmm. blaming other people and move on to your next shot just zip it i i'm not a mm -hmm. lee westwood fan in any way so i don't ever <laughs> want to see the guy win i have to be completely honest okay so this doesn't happen very often leah but we're we're actually on polar opposites of of this i really do like lee westwood um, he's always been probably one of my favorite across-the-pond players, so to speak. I mean, I, I know that he has exactly what you were talking about, but the difference between somebody like the way Tiger was and, some, and the way that Lee Westwood was is there's just something about an English gentleman that oh, kind of makes gentleman. me think that... Well, but it kind of makes me think that, you know what, he's he was... He wasn't doing it because he's like, I'm Lee Westwood and my crap doesn't stink, which is the way that I that it always came across from Tiger Woods. It was like it was like, look, man, I'm trying to play golf. Can you please just offer me that kind of courtesy? Now, I know that it comes down to interpretation, but anyways, in terms of Neil or No's pick. It's, it's really not a bad pick because Lee Westwood has always been on, a on the cusp. He's one of those golfers that is probably one of the best golfers ever that hasn't won a major and, and still, could get into, still could get into the Hall of Fame not having won a major. Ew, no. <laughs> Anyways, it would be nice to see Lee Westwood lock up the major. Um, I don't think he's going to do it. I do think that he's a little bit past his his playing prime so we'll see how it shakes out uh, but the course does set up nicely for him uh, Neil or knows talked about the old man's strength and the fact that he was an Englishman not sure that that has a ton to do with it well but, he plays uh, more links golf probably than the American golfers I can I can agree with that part of it right Anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it rolls out. I think out of all of them, um, right now, Finau probably has the best shot. Um, and I really like R Ricky Fowler, especially if the weather turns bad. Ricky seems to rise up when the weather turns crappy. So 
So we'll have to see as, as this rolls out, and I'm going to get a few more sleepless nights. All right. Looking forward to the outcome. Next up, we have Chip Shots brought to you by Callaway Golf. We have more Alberta golf uh, provincial events happening and uh, some more local uh, city association events, Darren. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the, well, actually, the, the final round of the men's amateur for Alberta golf is, is underway today. They actually yeah. used to be a three-round tournament. And then right. uh, this year, I was, I was actually talking to one of our players, Jim Richardson, who is one of our D fighters. He's a rules official with Alberta golf. So he said, yeah, this year they moved to a four-day because I've never conflicted with an event before because it's usually Tuesday to Thursday. And sure. this Monday at the quarry, I had a couple of players who couldn't play because they were playing in the amateur. Um, oh, and I conflicted with a Monday. So anyways, I just <laughs> wanted to give a shout out to the guys that made it. Razik Patel, Evan Raw, Jordy Kerrigan, Nick Salenpa. I murder these names sometimes. Uh, Matt Schmermond, Brett Cooper. Jordy Kerrigan made the cut. I believe Nick also made the cut. Matt Schmermond. <laughs> shot a two under on the back nine on mm. uh, Tuesday, but he said, I messaged him because I was like, dude, that's unreal. I messaged him. He told me he had two bad holes in his first two rounds, just two bad holes out of 36, and he didn't mm. make the cut because of it. So that that's was too, too bad. bad. But yeah, Jordy and Nick, I think, are still in it, so good luck to them for the rest of it. We've got AJ Armstrong with some crazy low rounds already so far 64 67 and 70 so he's uh jesse galvin from calgary is on his tail a little bit um i think he's still four shots back going into today but it'll be an interesting final round and man they have been playing some really good golf yeah absolutely those are some great rounds by aj uh let's hope he can close it out yes for sure and then uh, we also had the ega the edmonton golf association had their women's amateur and uh, Kelty Wild won with rounds of 73-79. She was actually one under with a double bogey on the front nine the first day. So mm. that was also very impressive. So congratulations, Absolutely. Kelty. That was Chip Shots brought to you by Callaway Golf. All right. Well, with all the talk of Tyler's tournament and the Open, we don't have much time this week for an AGT hot seat. Plus, I'm not at home to interview anyone. So Mm -hmm. we will skip that segment for this week, but we'll make sure uh, we we grab a couple hot seats perhaps at the Drumheller tournament this weekend. And we'll catch you up next week. And that is all we have this week, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, definitely, as usual, give us shout-outs, follow us, tell us what you like, don't like, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at GolfLifeAB. Check out the Kneeler Nose column at GolfLifeAB.com, and, you know, tell everyone how much you hate Lee Westwood. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Such a positive end to such a glorious show. (laughs) I know. Just kidding. Uh, Very excited to see the outcome of the Open this week. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Golf Life Alberta podcast.